As I look back on my life, I often marvel at the opportunities I've had, the people I've met. So many stand out, but this story is about two in particular. The President and the Coach. It's the latest installment of the Tales from Auburn Creek. Why do you want to be president? I asked Donald Trump during our one-on-one interview. He needed Indiana if he wanted to go on and win the GOP nomination for president. I'd done my homework. I was told that you needed to interject your questions or you may run out of time without getting very many questions asked. He has a tendency to ramble, I was told. The advice fit the bill. The interview went very well. It harkened back to another interview nearly 50 years earlier when I was starting out my career. I was only 17, still in high school, but my boss at the local radio station wanted to know if I'd be interested in doing tape-delayed play-by-play for sports, for football, and eventually basketball, and then they'd play it back on Sundays. The station was just a thousand-watt daytime operation, so live play-by-play wasn't a real possibility. My high school had just hired a first-year head football coach who played at the university. The school, the high school, had won back-to-back state championships, so the former coach departed for bigger and better things, supposedly. The new one, well, he was advised not to take the job. Too much pressure following in those footsteps, he was told. The expectations are too high. Well, he took it anyway, because he was blessed with an uncanny ability to make others believe as well. After all, He'd promised his wife that she would have a swimming pool in their backyard before she turned 30. And that wasn't going to happen if you weren't willing to confront and overcome challenges. We were sitting at his dining room table, taping a pregame interview. Me, armed with my old-time cassette recorder, asking yes and no questions that darn near ended the interview before it ever even got started. As a star football player at the major college level, he'd given many interviews, and this one, well, we both could tell was not going well. Is this going to be a tough game Friday night, I asked? Yes, Coach replied, as he reached out with his hand and hit the pause button on the recorder. I'm going to keep answering yes or no until you start asking better questions, he stated. Then he hit the pause button again so the cassette recorder could continue. His point hit home. He never had to hit the pause button again. Years later, when I was working in television in Wisconsin, I heard that voice once again. We had always stayed in contact as his career soared from being an assistant at Iowa to defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. The Irish had just won the national title, and now Coach wanted to cash in his chips for his first head coaching job at the major college level. Radar, do you happen to know any members of the Board of Trustees at Wisconsin? He asked me over the telephone. I was now working in Green Bay. No, I answered. You don't want that job, though, Coach. They don't win very often, I advised. Radar, Wisconsin is a sleeping giant, he responded. When we used to play there, that stadium was packed. It was as tough as any stadium in America to win in. I can be Bob Devaney there, Radar. I can win, and I can put people in those seats again, he said. Bob Devaney was his head coach at Nebraska. He went on to become athletic director for the Huskers, something this coach was now hoping to emulate in Madison. 
I told him I had not covered any of the trustees, but would keep my eyes open. Weeks later, I was sent to Madison to cover a story at the state capitol. Some statewide issue was to be debated that day when the big news broke. During ongoing floor debate, the doors swung open, and then-Governor Tommy Thompson came walking into the chamber. He grabbed the hand of the man next to him and held it above his head in a sort of, sort of victory salute you often see during political rallies as they encircled all the lawmakers' desks. Democrats and Republicans alike rose to their feet for a bipartisan standing ovation. As the two approached the side of the chamber where I was standing, Coach Barry Alvarez saw me and said, Be sure to get my good side radar, as the two paraded by. We both laughed. Obviously, for him, this was only the beginning. The rest is history. He would become a coaching legend. His dream of becoming Bob Devaney at Wisconsin would come true. He did pack Camp Randall. And it may have taken a little longer than he'd hoped, but he finally gave his wife, Cindy, the swimming pool he had promised. All this would later lead to his being enshrined in the College Football Hall of Fame. Years later, he was in town for the Big Ten basketball tournament. He invited me to meet him at St. Elmo's downtown. I arrived to see him once again holding court, entertaining a table full of people with his stories. He looked up and saw me. Hello, Radar, he said. Hi, Coach. Go ahead and finish your story, I said, not wanting to interrupt him while he was on a roll. Oh, thanks, Radar, he countered, rolling his eyes to emphasize that, you know, he really didn't need my permission to continue. Everyone laughed. He was in his element. When he was done, he excused himself and made his way off to the side where I was standing and greeted me with a hug. So good to see you, Radar. You made it. You got out of there. You succeeded. I'm so proud of you, he offered. I didn't succeed, Coach. You did. You did exactly what you said you would do. You're a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, I gushed. Oh, hell, Radar, I knew I would succeed. I was worried about you. It was typical Barry Alvarez. Cocky. Some would say downright arrogant. But that's what attracted people to him. He was going to succeed. Look, I've covered a lot of successful leaders, and they all have a similar trait. They make you want to work to experience a part of that success. And that's why his statue now sits outside Camp Randall Stadium. It was a long way from the neighborhood where we both met when I was sleeping in a storage room in the back of my brother's home while I completed my senior year of high school. Coach moved in one house over. That's why he allowed me to bop over with my recorder to tape his very first coach's show, because I live next door. One morning he called over and asked my brother to come over and take a look at his car that it wasn't starting, checked all the levels, and noticed there wasn't any oil on the dipstick. Have you put any oil on this coach? my brother asked. Hell no, Radar, he responded. I bought this car to drive, not to take care of. Typical Alvarez. We erupted in laughter. We put oil in it, got it running. He decided it was best to cut his losses. He turned around and sold it for more than he paid for it. Years later, in the company of another man brimming with that confidence, my how things had changed. 
I was interviewing a man who wanted to be president of the United States. I didn't have a cassette recorder this time. I had two photographers. You've done this kind of thing before, candidate Trump observed as our interview concluded. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time, I answered with a smile. I never played the game, at least not at the level of these two. But I learned early that there was no room for yes or no questions. This is Kevin Rader. Thank you for joining me for the latest installment of the Tales from Auburn Creek. Until next time.